This is Josh Allen, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and joining us today, a, a very special guest from a very far-flung part of the world, from where we broadcast here on the beautiful shores of Lake Travis, just outside of Austin, Texas. He's coming to us from upstate New York, where he's just got back from Detroit, where the Buffalo Bills had played their first preseason game. His name is Ryan Talbot. He writes for NewYorkUpstate.com and Syracuse.com. You can find him on Twitter at Ryan Talbot, T-A-L-B-O-T, Bills. He covers the Bills up there for Syracuse.com. Ryan, thanks so much for coming on. How the hell are you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, a lot to talk about with the Bills. I wanted to go through just a couple of a couple of different situations here and um, also maybe just a, a couple of general AFC East and Buffalo-centric questions. Whenever you um, whenever you look at this, this, how much different does this feel coming into this year than it felt coming into last year before we knew what was going to happen with Josh, before we really knew what was going to happen with this Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs connection and the way that that thing was set to blow up? Does it feel just a lot different this year? Or does it feel like this kind of, kind of more of the same? No, I, I think it does feel very different. I, th- I think a lot of Bills reporters, a, a lot of Bills fans that had watched Josh Allen for through his first two years expected him to get better from year two to year three. But I don't think they were expecting the leaps and bounds that he improved by uh, completion percentage yards, uh, decision making in general th- th- in terms of lack of turnover. So that was quite the astronomical leap. Uh, defense took a little bit of a step back, but you know, going from last year to this year, there are legitimate Super Bowl expectations in Buffalo for this team. Does that feel? How do the fans feel about going from the going to the top of the mountain from the very bottom of the totem pole so fast with Tom Brady leaving and everything and everything and does it feel like it's happened so fast? It it does in in some ways. You know, when this regime came aboard, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, uh, the first thing that fans just really had angst about was ending that playoff drought because at that time they had the longest drought in the NFL. So year one, the Bills kind of back into the playoffs with uh, Tyrod Taylor at quarterback, really strong defense. And then they get Josh Allen the next year. So they, they take a little bit of a step back, which a lot of teams do when you play your rookie for the majority of the season playoffs again and then the the expectation last year was obviously let's get to the playoffs win a playoff game and they did more than that obviously advancing all the way to the AFC championship so what is the you get to be around the team you get you you obviously have sources around there with the vibe of the team and things like that does it this team feels like a team that's actually bought it it feels like just from the outsider's perspective it seems like Josh Allen's a guy who they really look up to it seems like Stephon Diggs is a leader on that team. Certainly some leaders on the defense that you talked about. It really feels like a team that's that's, that's bought in and feels like the team is actually ready to take the step as well. It, it isn't just the expectations from the fans. 
Yeah, no, I think uh, all the players on this team have high expectations for this season. They have all bought in. They all are expecting to make a long run in the playoffs this year. And you're right. There, there's leaders on both sides of the ball. You have Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, uh, Mitch Morse comes to mind. Deion Dawkins defensively, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer have been here since day one of this uh, Bean and McDermott regime. They're pretty, you know, I still consider them young at linebacker with Milano and Tremaine Edmonds, but they've been here for quite a few seasons. So they're ready to take that next step. And obviously Jerry Hughes is kind of uh, the long, well, he is the longest tenured bills player on this team and another one of those leaders in the locker room. So going into this year. Yeah. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, when he came to this team, another player that's been a leader, wherever he's gone said super bowl or bust. That's why I'm here in Buffalo. It wasn't just to, uh, find a good team. He wants to win another Super Bowl before he hangs it up. Well, and clearly, I don't think that we need to harp on the idea that Stephon Diggs is clearly the leading offensive weapon there for that for that team. I think anyone would too. I we don't we don't need to get Ryan Talbot, the Bills expert, on here to tell us that um, anyone with two eyeballs can see it. But what about I mean, what about some of these ancillary pieces? And what did you think about bringing in Emmanuel Sanders whenever Cole Beasley is still there? Because it just man, it just feels like those guys are a little bit redundant to me, at least um, is, is, is Emmanuel Sanders lining up outside at camp or is, is he in this? How do you get those guys on the field at the same time? If you want to get your three best, cause it probably feels like your three best for Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley. If we don't want to lump Gabriel Davis into that category as well. Um, I know that there's always camp standouts and it feels like Jake Kumaro has maybe been one. I'd, I'd like to hear from you about maybe some of these guys that are, standing out that we could keep our eyes out for in our preseason fantasy contests. But just before I ask you about that, Emmanuel Sanders, were you surprised with the type of player that they brought in when they bring in a guy like that, when you already have a Cole Beasley? And is there a chance that Emmanuel Sanders can, can, can play outside this year? Yeah, you know, in terms of where he's been lining up, we're actually not allowed to report that. And he's been, he, he has been dealing a little bit with some foot issues, but he, he's returned to practice recently. Uh, the, the good thing I'll say about Emmanuel Sanders is he has the versatility to play inside or outside. And, and I think that when the Bills signed him, it, it wasn't so much to, to add some competition or add someone that can cut into Cole Beasley's snaps. It was to have someone that could replace John Brown in terms of uh, maybe not stretching the field so much, but someone that's a really good route runner that can get open in that intermediate passing mm-hmm. range, give the Bills another weapon. Because w- when you look across the board, we already know about Diggs, like you said, Beasley um, probably would have gone over a thousand yards last year had he not missed the last game of the regular season. Uh, Gabriel Davis was great at coming back to the ball, being along the sidelines, seven touchdowns as a rookie. So I, I just think that they want to give Josh as many weapons as possible. Uh, let's face it in, in today's NFL injuries occur. And when, when you're going to that next man up, you want someone that can come in and, and really, uh, help this team without skipping a beat. Sanders has done that throughout his career. They love what Isaiah McKenzie brings to the table, not just as a gadget guy, but someone that they have really worked on over the last few years out of the slot who can come in and do a lot of little things. So, and then you mentioned Jake Kumaro. So I think from one to six, this roster is pretty well set. Do you, do you think there's any way that they can throw the football as much this year as they did last year? Is that something that they just kind of fell into or is it something that was by design? 
I think it was definitely by design last year. Uh, I think that uh, pretty much Brian Dable said, listen, with the weapons that we have, we're going to dare them to stop us. And teams really couldn't. Now, that said, there's a lot of film on this offense now, and a lot of teams, I'm sure, have dug into that. So the Bills are going to have to come out with some uh, fresh plays, which I'm sure Brian Dable, one of the better offensive minds in this league, can do. But it's up to the Bills, though, that when uh, opposing teams show a light defensive front, that they're going to have to be able to run the ball and utilize that because I think you're going to see a lot of teams playing nickel and, and oh, yeah. uh, playing, you know, trying to match the bills offense. So it's going to be up to guys like Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Matt Breida to make those teams pay when they, when they show those lighter fronts, because if, if the bills can't run the ball, something they truly did struggle with last year, uh, then it's going to be interesting to see if the passing offense does have similar success. Now, speaking of the running backs, it's a perfect segue because I wanted to ask about them. And, uh, you know, for us fantasy players, that's been a nightmare for trying to choose between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And sometimes neither gets the volume. And now, you know, um, certain players are gone. But you bring in Matt Breida, who's probably still has some juice. You know, it's, it seems like. Can you see? I mean, I can understand from a real football perspective. That feels like a good trio of guys. But from a fantasy football perspective, wherever I, do, do do you play fantasy? Do you? Do oh you, yeah. Okay. So I mean, do you ever do you ever consider like, do you think that there's ever going to be one of those guys, man, that kind of solidifies himself as a dude who could at least get the majority of the touches, or uh, somebody who could be viable at least in a situational way that we could count on to where we could maybe use them in fantasy, or does it just feel like one of these committees that's good for real football, but it's going to continue being frustrating for fantasy. I think it's a committee. I think it's it's kind of like the New England Patriots running backs. I wouldn't touch them in fantasy just because you never know who they're going to go with week to week, how many touches they're going to get. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Patriots definitely run the ball more, and they're going to run the ball more than Buffalo, but you just can never count on who the hot hand is there. If Zach Moss could stay healthy, I think that he has the best shot of the trio. Now, he returned to practice today. He was dealing with a hamstring injury, but he's dealt with injuries going all the way back to Utah. He obviously had a a serious injury last year in the playoffs against the Colts that knocked him out for the rest of the playoffs. He missed some time during the regular season with a toe injury. Uh, So we've seen that in terms of can we trust this guy? And I think the bills really do like Moss and what he brings to the table. But for that reason, I'm hesitant to to tell anyone in fantasy, go draft this guy. Singletary is a rookie uh, finished for the league lead in yard per carry average. And to mind you significantly less uh, rushes than, than Derek Henry, who he tied with as a rookie. Uh, But still over five yards per carry as a rookie last year, took a step back. He really went into this offseason adding muscle to his frame, working on his explosiveness. We know he has that shiftiness that can make guys miss, and he looked really good against Detroit. Uh, I will give him that. He was averaging over five yards per carry there. If you want to take a late flyer on him in a draft, you know, by all means, maybe that's your safest bet, but I wouldn't count on him. I would definitely would not draft him to be one of your flex running backs. I'd have him on the bench and hope for the best and then maybe bring him up. And then Breed is a guy that you're going to want out in space. Uh, maybe someone you can bring in on third downs, especially if you're going to try to throw a screen, throw something short to the running back, because with that speed, he still can be pretty dangerous. The 2021 Roster Watch Cheat Sheet is available now at rosterwatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet to change fantasy football forever is back only at rosterwatch.com. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. That's it. Three rules. Guys, it couldn't be easier. The Roster Watch Cheat Sheet. 
and expert quality draft is guaranteed as long as you follow the rules, the three simple rules that a toddler could follow. This sheet is magical, it's mystical, it is mythical, it is the Roster Watch cheat sheet, only at rosterwatch.com. What about the offensive line? Because as you look at these guys, you mentioned Mitch Morris. We know about Dawkins. I mean, I feel like we know about Williams pretty well. My question is about um, Cody Ford. What have you guys seen out of him uh, coming out? He was a guy who we, who we really liked as a prospect. But I seem to – and I don't – I should know off the top of my head. I don't know it right now, but I seem to remember maybe like PFF or Sports Info Solutions maybe having some rougher grades for him – last year is that indeed the case and is there anything that you would say about the development that you've seen out of Cody Ford yeah you know Ford's had some really bad luck through his career with injuries he's missed significant time in bowl seasons Uh, I want to say he only played about six games last year off the top of my head before he was lost for the season then Ike Butker came in and replaced him but to his credit I think he's had a really strong camp uh, especially in terms of run blocking. So if the Bills do want to get that run game going, I think that Ford could play a big role in that. So with, with Ford and Feliciano on the inside, that's my expectation for who will start week one. Now, mind you, Ike Butker's still competing for Ford for one of those spots. Um, Forrest Lamb's been banged up throughout camp, so I don't really see him, envision him competing for a starting role. So it's pretty much those three guys competing for two spots. And I, I, I see... John Feliciano winning one of them for sure. And Ford, I think, has a little bit of a lead over Butker at this point in time. So, you know, from left to right, I think that was the offensive line that the Bills envisioned one year ago with uh, Deion Dawkins. And then, you know, however they they decide to play it with Feliciano and Ford in terms of left guard, right guard, mm-hmm. Morris at center, and then Darrell Williams at uh, right tackle. So I think they're going to roll out the offensive line that they envisioned one year ago. What about on the other side of the ball? I just I, I, I got to ask about Ed Oliver. I just pictured him down here in Texas riding around these horses with his cowboy hat on. I always thought he was going to be the biggest star. He hadn't been quite the biggest star, man. Like, right. He, he, he hasn't been quite the biggest star. Do, but, or has he in Buffalo? I don't know. Is he a big star up there? It doesn't feel like he's taken over the NFL by storm or anything like some hoped. What are the what do the fans think about him? What have you seen out of Ed Oliver and what are sort of the expectations for him moving forward? Yeah, you know, as a rookie, I thought Ed Oliver really came on around Thanksgiving. He had a really good game against the Dallas Cowboys, a few sacks in that game, some pressure. It looked like the game was slowing down for him. Last year, I I don't want to, you know, say that you can just kind of throw away last year and and not put any blame on Ed Oliver, but the Bills were in a really tricky spot last year when Star Latulale opted out. They didn't have a true one tech, so they were rotating guys in and out that that weren't meant for that role. Right. And, and they even had Ed playing sometimes at both uh, D, D tackle spots. So uh, I feel like that hurt him because without a true one tech next to him, he probably couldn't uh, do do what he expected to do. So I think coming into this year, he's really excited about this defensive line. Latulale back. They have some competition behind uh, Latulale for that uh, second one tech role. So th- they feel pretty comfortable about that. Oliver starting next to him. I I thought that last year at times he was still pushing the pocket, getting those offensive linemen into the backfield, making the quarterback move. It just didn't necessarily result with a ton of sacks necessarily. But I think when you have Mario Addison, Jerry Hughes, Star Latulale next to him, and then you even have some uh, depth in now Greg Rousseau, uh, F.A. Obata, and Boogie Basham, that, yeah, they're really. 
thinking that this uh, unit could move forward and really get after the quarterback. But but does that feel like a? But I mean, I just think about Rousseau and like let's let's talk about it. Rousseau, Basham, even Ed Oliver to some degree. I mean, Star is the guy you bring back, and it feels like that would buttress what. At times last year, at least from afar, it looked like it, it was a struggling run defense unit. It feels like that thing's built more to get after the opposing passer, which to me would make sense because you're likely going to be in a lot of game scripts uh, on the defensive side of the football if the offense holds up its end of the bargain where guys are going to have to be dropping back. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Listen, I'm not sure that this team is going to be great at stopping the run again. I think they're they're built to be better this year uh, in terms of stopping the run. But if this offense is as high-powered as it was one year ago, teams aren't going to be able to run the ball for four quarters. They're going to have to pass more, and, and it does. A guy like Greg Rousseau, who's 6'7", long arms, mm-hmm. uh, in that first preseason game, went against Penny Sewell, a top-10 pick, and, and beat him. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty hurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> used the length to just yeah. kind of move him aside and get out after the quarterback had another one where uh, a split second later, he has a second sack, but he was right in the quarterback's face and forced an incomplete pass third play where it was actually Epineza who got to the quarterback first, but Epineza was there. And then a second later it was Rousseau. So I thought Rousseau looked unbelievable. You, you know, you look at Rousseau, you look at a guy like Joe Tryon in Tampa Bay and some of these other players that opted out, they, they kind of fell in this year's draft because mm-hmm. Teams weren't sure what they did in that year off, but it's clear that they really worked on their games and it's possible, you know, it's still early. It's only been one preseason game that some of these players that opted out are going to look better than players that actually suited up because they went with players. uh, They, they went to different camps and things to work on building their strength, working on their pass rush arsenal. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Rousseau brings to the table. I think he's further along than a lot of people thought. Well, yeah, Penny Sewell took took the year off too, and Russo had a Russo had yes. with that guy. Um, yeah, man, just for sure. Well, uh, speaking of preseason, maybe before I, I just I ask you a couple questions and uh, a couple of uh, a couple other questions from around the AFC East and get you out of here, man. I, I'm 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 very aware that you guys have camp going on right now. You have you have stories to crank out and stuff like that. But um, before I before I ask you about that stuff. Just what about for preseason? Um, what about for preseason for us that like to play in the daily fantasy sports? We saw a bunch of Antonio uh, or Antonio Williams was a real popular play this this last week. Do you think that was that? I mean, was guys like Zach Moss and Devin Singletary coming into this second game? Do you think do you think they'll be easy on Moss just because, he, like you said, they've just now kind of reactivated him? Do you think that? I mean, I wouldn't expect him to be in line for any kind of big preseason workload or anything like that. I mean, would you have any? Any thoughts about how the running back rotations could look or how people could be featured in this very unpredictable second week of the preseason where we don't have anything to really uh, from the past to really judge how the teams are going to be utilizing players? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that Singletary actually might be the safest play again because you're right. Zach Moss is getting eased back in. If he's good to go, it'll be maybe one series or two just to see what he can do. Uh, Antonio Williams, who you mentioned, actually exited the game at one point with an injury. Now, he did return. He had a stinger. Uh, So I'm just not sure, though, how much of a workload he'll get. And then Christian Wade behind him had a uh, has been in a sling, so he might be out still. So that really leaves Singletary and Breida. So another player that to keep an eye on would be Matt Breida in this next game. Um, 
And in fact, now that I'm actually thinking about it, maybe Breida gets a bigger workload because Singletary looked really good. You don't know what your your starting lineup is going to look like in week one in terms of maybe Moss's health. You want to keep someone healthy. So I think Singletary and Breida would be the two plays if you're going to do that uh, in the second preseason game against the Bears in terms of which backs will get the most carries. And then just real quick, just real quickly, what about Marquez Stevenson? Uh, I didn't see him in the Detroit game. I don't know if he's hurt or, or what. Have you seen anything out of Marquez Stevenson, the sixth round pick out of U of H and the, the, uh, the 2021 senior bowl participant? Yeah, Marquez Stevens, uh, Stevenson had the long catch in the fourth quarter in that last drive from Jake Fromm to help the Bills lead down the field for the game-winning field goal. Uh, so he had a 42-yard reception there. He may have come back with a shorter reception across the middle as well. Uh, up and down camp for him. Faces long odds of making the roster, but I will say that he flashed enough in that first preseason game to maybe give him a shot if the Bills want to keep seven wide receivers. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins had been kind of slotted into that role, but he had a knee injury. Severity is still a little bit unknown. There was some swelling there. Uh, so we're kind of waiting on word in terms of Hodgins' status going forward. But Stevenson's giving himself a chance to stick on this roster. Uh, I think you'll see him play a lot in the second preseason game. Again, you're not going to see a lot of the the big-name receivers play or play a, a long time. So Stevenson has a chance to see some significant reps in this game. Any others? Uh, any others you would mention? Tanner Gentry, I could see him playing. Duke Who's Williams, been a preseason stud in the past. Right, with the yeah, Bears. yeah. For uh, sure. Duke Williams was in for a, a bit in the second half in that game, going up and down that roster. I just think that uh, if Emmanuel Sanders plays, it'll be for a short time. Stefan Diggs, I do not anticipate suiting up. Cole <laughs> Beasley, no. Uh, Gabriel Davis, very early, if anything at all. Same with Jake Kumaro. I think Kumaro at this point has done enough to show that he's a, a pretty safe option at number six. So he only played about the first quarter last game, which was where you saw like Gabriel Davis and, and some of these other starters go. So I don't think you're even going to see him for a long time in this matchup. So yeah, guys like Stevenson, Tanner Gentry, Duke Williams, those are probably your best bets. Perfect. All right. Well, we, we certainly thank you for that intel. All right. We need more intel that we're going to thank you for. So let's talk about Buffalo Wings. You're from up there. I always talk to Chris Trapasso about this stuff. Very, 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 very opinionated. First question is, um, is, is it okay to just say you just want just the, like just the drums or just the flappers? Is, 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 is that an okay menu order to make? It's okay. I I kind of go in though. I just take whatever they give me. I'm not I'm not usually one that says all flats or all drums. Just you know, I'll, I'll take a mix. I'm not too picky, but there are definitely some people that will make that order and say you know all flats and more power to them for that. But yeah, I'm not too picky in terms of what kind of wings I get. Now, is it is it are you picky if if you order buffalo wings and somebody brings you out wings that are like fried and like breaded like breaded like fried chicken? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a little pickier there. I like going to Barbell. I like the way that they make their wings there. I think uh, they they actually take quite a bit of time. Um, base, you know, I, I don't want to basting is not the right word, but they, they actually kind of glaze each wing individually. They, they mm-hmm. really take some time on that. So uh, I'm, I'm a Barbell guy, but yeah, you know, in terms of like the breaded wings, there's definitely some people that prefer that. I would just kind of have. Uh, wings in a traditional style. Do you do you like them just like they bring them out, or do you ever order them extra? Or do you ever order them extra crispy? Uh, extra crispy is okay. I, I actually like extra sauce on mine, but yeah, I know a lot of people that like extra crispy. Do you think it's okay to? It, it, is is it okay for buffalo wings to put both a both a rub on them and a sauce? 
Yeah, I, I do think that's all our, our right. I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, if you're talking about sauces like uh, blue cheese, I'm definitely a blue cheese guy for that, for dipping sauces. So for sure with that. And then, all right. So then, my my final question was was going to be ranch, ranch or blue cheese. You're saying you're you're definitely a blue cheese. I'm guy. team blue cheese for sure. It's the it's the only correct answer. I, I would have <laughs> shut off the podcast otherwise. All right. He is uh, Ryan Talbot. You can find him at Ryan Talbot Bills on Twitter. You can find him at NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse.com. Great guy, great reporter. I told our admin Jen that you know if we're going to get somebody on from the Bills, that's who I want to get on because he's the one that we follow on Twitter and always with the great breaking news. So Roster Watch Nation, we ask you mobilize, unite, please go give our friend Ryan Talbot a follow over there on Twitter. And so I'll get you out here with with one last question, brother. Um, who do Bills fans? What which which young quarterback in the in the AFC East should Bills fans fear the most? Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, or Tua Tungavailoa? That's a great question. You know, I was a little bit higher on Zach Wilson than some because a lot of I, I know some people that feel like Zach Wilson has a certain ceiling. I think of those three, I think he I feel like he has the highest ceiling of, of the trio. Uh, now, mind you, that roster's a little bit behind the, the Patriots and the Dolphins at this point in time. So I'm not saying in 2021 he makes the most noise, but long term, I like Zach Wilson over those. Uh, that other duo, I, I just feel like Tua has a limited ceiling uh, in terms of what he can do. Now, you get the right offense around him. I think he can be a fine quarterback, but he's not someone that can trust his arm away. Josh Allen can or even a Zach Wilson can. Mac Jones, I think, is very accurate. I think he's very smart. And I think the Patriots have a great defense on the horizon. So with that defense, I don't think he needs to be unbelievable as a rookie so i could see him having some immediate success when they do call his number which could honestly be week one i think he could win that starting job so it's going to be really interesting to watch